0: team
1: welcome to the seattle mariners baseball podcast
0: diving mean, stop singer toss on off the first in time to get seven three run homer robinson cano off the lefty specialist fernando abad and the mariners lead it five to four the baseball straight away center field cano Owen Cruz go back to back and the king when the mariners needed him the most two hits over seven scored a innings now here's
1: your host gary hill
2: all right welcome back time for the seattle mariners baseball podcast hope you enjoyed the off day yesterday the mariners off now back at it today if you can believe it it starts the last homestand of the season starting tonight as the Mariners tangle with the Texas Rangers, a massive series for the Mariners. We're going to preview the matchups coming up in just a moment. Also, we'll hear from the King, Felix Hernandez. He sits down with Rick Riz. And for longtime listeners of the podcast, you'll remember John Gibson. Whenever we want to have a discussion about baseball in Japan, we call on John Gibson who's been covering baseball in Japan for a long time. And, of course, as you've probably read recently, a lot of news about Japanese baseball. We're going to talk Otani and more coming up with John Gibson. He's fantastic. You'll enjoy it. So, first things first, the Twins cooperated last night and lost to the Yankees. So, the Mariners gained some ground despite being off. So, this is the way things start with the homestand. Yankees... Now feeling very secure 8 and 2 in their last 10. They're up 5 on the Twins now. Minnesota 78 and 72, 5 and 5 in their last 10, losing to the Yankees in a close one, 2 to 1 last night. So the Angels just a game and a half out now. Angels 76 and 73. But now the Angels have to start a series with Cleveland. Mariners 4 out at 74 and 76, Kansas City four and a half, Texas four and a half, Baltimore five, Tampa five. So I mean this is it here for Texas or Seattle. You do the math and which just a couple weeks ago, I mean this series absolutely massive if either team is going to make a run at the second wild card. So the pitching matchups, some good matchups here in this series. It's going to start with Mike Leak. He'll get the ball tonight. He's been excellent for the Mariners. 3-0 with a 2-4-1. Martin Perez will take the ball for Texas. The lefty, 12-11 this year with a 4-8-2 ERA for the Rangers. His last start actually came against the Mariners on the 13th, pitched into the 6th. Mariners get him for seven hits, allowed three earned runs in that one, walk three. Mariners got him for a couple of home runs in that one. M's really familiar with him. They've seen him a number of times this year. Middle of April, he pitched well against the M's, five innings, one earned run. They saw him at the beginning of May again, pitched well, six innings, two earned runs. And then the Mariners saw him in the middle of June. They got him for four earned and five and a third. And then, of course, the start I just mentioned in September. So, Martin Perez with the ball, the lefty in game one of the series, Mike Leak for the M's. 7-10 first pitch from Safeco Field. Now, taking the ball tomorrow, 7-10, Felix Hernandez will go against Andrew Kashner. And then Thursday, a battle of lefties at 7-10, James Paxton against Cole Hamels in this critical series against the Rangers. M's, of course, have had plenty of success against the Texas Rangers this season, and they'd love to continue that. They just took three of four from Texas in Arlington. Mariners 8-2 and two this month against any other team other than Houston. They've been the problem. Mariners 0-6 against the Astros. So three against the Rangers, three against the Indians, and that's it for the home schedule. On to Oakland after that for three, and then three against the Angels to end the season, and how huge could those three games be if the Mariners could rev things up and get cooking here in the last week, week and a half of the season? So Minnesota will continue their series with the New York Yankees tonight. Yankees taking game one of the series. CC Sabathia will take the ball for New York and the Bronx. And really the other game to watch really closely tonight, the Angels will start their series. Mike Clevenger will go for Cleveland. He has been outstanding. And with all the attention, for good reason, that Carrasco and Kluber get in the Indians' rotation, Clevenger has been rock solid. 3-2-1 ERA. Tyler Skaggs will take the ball for the Angels. Angels 76-73 and 73 on the season, 41-34 and 34 at home. This is part of the Cleveland road trip that they'll be in Seattle coming up. So that first pitch is going to be about the same time as the Mariners' first pitch tonight, so an easy one to follow along, as we certainly will as the Mariners try and make a run here. Mariners and Rangers hope to see you at Safeco Field tonight, 7-10 first pitch. Right now, let's hear from the King. He'll get a start in this one. Had a chance to sit down with Rick Riz.
3: Felix, let's talk about, you know, what you do best, and that's throw baseball 60 feet, 6 inches from home plate. Uh, a young kid comes up to you, a boy or a girl, said, Mr. Felix Hernandez, I want to be a pitcher. What what do you tell him? Where do you start?
4: First of all, you got to start with the compete. If you want to go out there and compete against another team, you just got to show them you're the best. You don't know, have to, you know, the body language is, the, you know, a little down. you have to be good body language, and what I say is just to work hard and do your best.
3: The age-old question is, uh, when should a kid, I know it's different for everybody, start to throw a curveball?
4: 12, 13 years old. Grow up, all the bones not growing up yet. Curveball is tough.
3: When did you start throwing a curveball?
4: 12, 13 years old, I think. Tell me
3: a little bit about uh, your fastball course. When you came up, you were throwing 96-97. When did you first get command of the fastball, and how did you do that?
4: Yeah, that was fun. When I was back in the day, when I was 96-97, that was fun. Work every day. You, I mean, you go play catch, you do your bullpens. And I knew since I was 14, I was throwing 90. And when I was 16, I started throwing 96-97. It was it was fun. I mean, you know, so that you don't have to work with anything else. You just got plus fastball and then good curveball, and,
3: and that was fun. Now you need the command. That's what gets pitchers to the big leagues. A lot of guys can throw 95 miles an hour to 100 miles an hour. How did you get command of that fastball and the other pitches?
4: Work. Work every day, bullpen sections, routine every day here, confidence in the mound. I mean, I'm a purpose to the pitch. I mean, I'm going to throw that pitch in that specific son, and you won't throw it.
3: Your best pitch, I think one of your best pitches is that circle changeup. It looks like a splitter when it comes up to home plate. It's been very effective you for a long time. When did you come up with that pitch?
4: 2009. I was thinking about throwing a change and I was missing with grip and grip and grip and grip, and I find a grip and I started throwing. But, you know, I, was, I wasn't confident enough to throw it, a lot of them in the game. But as soon as it you know, popped in my mind, I was throwing it. And then I have so much confidence now that I can throw it any, any count, any time.
3: And you looked at it one day and went, wow, dropped about two feet. When it gets up to home plate, looks like a splitter.
4: Yeah, I man, that was unbelievable. Well, you see the reactions of the hitters, and they see, oh, my God, what was this play? I was like, no, no, no chance. That's a changeup.
3: A lot of people don't realize the routine of a, a starting pitcher. You make a start, and then what happens over the next uh, four days for you?
4: A lot of work, a lot of work. Yesterday I was running. I do 10 balls. I don't do anything in the weight room. Today I have to do my legs. I was throwing bullpen about 30 minutes ago. I'm going to throw a bullpen. i got to go to the weight room, do my legs. I mean, I'm going to do a cardio. I did a cardio. Next day, I have to do the exercise with the trainers. Day off and pitch.
3: Okay, it's it's game day for you. What's a typical day for you when you wake up in the morning to the time you walk out of that bullpen and take the mound?
4: It's a normal day. I mean, I woke up at probably, I would say, 11, 11.30 at home. Start playing with my kiddos. I mean, <laughs> yeah. i mean, talking a little bit, talking with my wife, and then show up to the ballpark for a club talk to the guys. I mean, not, not, not the kind of pitcher that I'm, bu- I'm going to put some headphones. and not going to talk to anybody and my day start No, not like that. I talk to everybody. Six o'clock, I do my stuff in the weight room and training room and then I come out
3: 6:25. Everybody has a game plan. Everybody sits down. You guys sit down and you talk with Mike Zunino or Carlos Ruiz and uh, go over the scouting reports on, on the hitters. Tell us a little bit about what goes on in, in those meetings to get you ready for the ball game, knowing what to pitch and what to throw and when to throw it?
4: Well, I mean, you see videos or, or information on all the guys you're going to face. But I'm not, for me, I'm not that kind of guy. I see, uh, I'm just a pitcher to see what's going on during the game, what pitch is working for me in that day so I can throw it any time. So. But we talk about a lot of pitches, I mean, a lot. It's a lot of stuff, a lot of information to go out there and be ready for pitch.
3: You've been around the game for a long time now and been outstanding. You know, you were on the DL earlier this year. How do you, how do you take care of your arm on a, on a day-to-day basis, your elbow, your shoulder? How do you take care of the most valuable piece of equipment on your body?
4: Yeah, yeah well, we, that's why we got the trainers. I mean, they do an unbelievable job here. I mean, I get ice every day, and I do a lot of exercise with them, and that's why I'm healthy all the time. You know, this year it was I mean, tough for me. It was my shoulder, but now I feel really good.
3: What's the most fun part of your job?
4: pitching every day and being the ball ball every, every day.
3: What's it like coming out of that bullpen with the Kings scoring session? They've got the song playing. You amp them up. They amp you up. What in the world is it like walking in out of the bullpen on a day that you pitch?
4: It's fun, man. It's not only for me. It's for my teammates. They like they like that muffer. I mean, they they just want to go out there and compete. I mean, as soon as I walk through the mound and they start cheering and then I hear that song, oh, it's pretty fun.
3: All right, we're going to wrap it up, Felix. What's the best advice for a kid that you can give him about pitching?
4: First of all, you have to run a lot because uh, for pitchers, if you don't run a lot, your arm is going to be fine. It's going to take care. So what advice is just go out there and do your thing. I mean, grab a routine. I mean, do the exercise every day for your shoulder and elbow, and you'll be fine.
3: You go out there and have fun.
4: Yep, that's true.
3: Fifi, thanks a lot for the We Appreciate
4: it. No problem, man. Appreciate that. And now our
2: conversation with John Gibson. Well, it's been a while, and this is one of my favorite guests that we have on. It's John Gibson, who you can follow on Twitter, and you really should be following on Twitter. J W or J B W podcast on Twitter. John, I remember so o- Otani, for obvious reasons, is getting a lot of publicity here in the United States. I remember one of our conversations, Maven. Been as far back as three years ago, you were talking about him and the kind of player he is. So for those that are new to the podcast and haven't heard those conversations, give us a thumbnail on Otani.
5: All right. Well, thank you again for inviting me to be on the show. Appreciate it. Uh, Yeah, I remember that conversation. Uh, I believe we were I was at Tokyo Dome and it was the first time I was appearing on your show. And, I, and you asked me, who who's someone to look out for? And I said, well, here's a kid who can uh, throw 100 miles an hour. And at the time, he really wasn't a developed or a polished batter at that time. But he was doing things that, if you look at the numbers, because it was a short sample size for him, because he was pitching and batting, and they were giving him a couple of days off a week. Uh, A player who, when you put the numbers uh, in the percentages and you extrapolate it out over a season, was doing things that guys who, basically, who are in the Japanese or Japan Baseball's Hall of Fame were doing in their first seasons. And so, (laughs) when you look at that and then considered that the guy was a, a pretty much a pitcher anyway, and everyone was considering a, a pitcher and asking, why is this kid still trying to bat? But um, he has obviously developed his uh, batting skills to the point where he's hitting home runs on a scale that, uh, you know, last year he had 22 home runs. And um, you look at his, um, his home runs per at bat, and again, extrapolate that over a season where he's He's uh, playing full time if he's just batting or if he's just a batter, and it's pretty. It was pretty good. It's pretty high. So uh, he's he's a special talent. I mean, he threw the other night in in at Sapporo Dome, and 16 clubs uh, with 32 representatives were there to watch to watch him throw. Mm. What? So uh, yeah, a, a talent you don't see very often.
2: Yeah, when you watch him pitch, I mean, we've heard about the radar gun he's just setting it aflame with 100 mile per hour what kind of pitcher is he how would you describe
5: him as a pitcher well for me uh, he was a thrower early on uh, as most young guys with a lot of power are and he was he was just um, a a big tall wire out there on the the mound a big streaming and he put on some more weight and he started to develop his secondary pitches and he you know got he's developing a slider he's uh, he doesn't throw many curves but he'll throw one once in a while and he learned to spot his pitches so obviously you know a lot of kids when any flamethrower is just going to say well you know what when out when it all comes down to it i'm just going to try to throw it past the guy but in japan pitchers uh are developed um in terms of where they locate their pitches. So more than anything, location is, is, is top priority. And if they put, if the catcher puts a glove up somewhere and you you miss it, you, it's on you. If he puts a glove up and you hit it and, and or you, you, you basically hit the target and the, the pitch gets hit, well, you know, pitches in the strike zone often get hit. So it's not your problem so much, but describing him as a pitcher is, is a hard thrower who has developed secondary pitches that can um, basically keep him keep batters honest. And I I guess if I were to look at somebody um, in the in the United States who's more of a comp, it would be uh, the guy with the Mets, uh, Thor. What's his name? Oh yeah, Syndergaard. Uh, yeah, Noah Syndergaard is something I, I I would look at. It's Noah Syndergaard probably doesn't have the location still that that Otani does, but he he throws hard. He commands the strike zone with the hard stuff. And then he comes in with secondary pitches to keep guys off balance. Wow, that's impressive. And, and you've, you've been watching baseball
2: in Japan for a long time. You've seen the stars from Japan come over to the United States and have success. Do you see him as being able to have success as both a pitcher and hitter in the major leagues?
5: Well, like any player, I mean, I've also seen a lot of Japanese pitchers go over there and end up having Tommy John surgery. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> um, the, the the biggest issue when you talk about a guy pitching and hitting is, A, will a team ever even consider allowing that to happen? And that's that's the first hurdle that he has to overcome. And if he can do that and prove, I, I, you know, he, obviously a lot, of, in fact, I talked to someone, I mean, early on in his career, everyone thought of him as the pitcher who could hit. And I think in the past two seasons, it's more like the hitter who can pitch. Mm. And so, uh, I mean, when I talk to people who are just now getting on the Otani bandwagon or have been on it a year and a half or so, so, that's what the the image of him is, as a guy who can hit, but he also pitches. And it's kind of reversed instead of the pitcher who can hit. so. if he can get over those hurdles and a team allows him to do both, it's a process. You know, it's not he comes out one day and he's the Shohei Ohtani we've been used to seeing in, in Japan. He's going to be a guy who's got to learn uh, the techniques and the uh, and dealing with fastballs that are a little bit faster than, than they are in Japan. And, and fastball counts and how to hit. And then he has to, uh, he has to learn how to get Major League pit, uh, batters out. So, yes, I can see the success. I can definitely see the success. But some guys like Hideo Nomo, when he went over, were immediately effective. And because he was so unique on the mound, he, he, he gave a lot of hitters trouble. I don't think Otani has deception in his pitching. And, you know, we know he can hit a fastball. But— What can he do with the other pitches? So I think it's going to be a process, but I think once he makes the adjustments, yes, he'll be able to have success for sure. That's why we had 16 teams over here watching him.
2: Yeah, no (laughs) doubt about it. In fact, I mean, is there even a comparable? I mean, has there been a player like this, like Otani? In Japan?
5: Yeah, yeah. Uh, In Japan, you know, I don't have the names, but uh, along – I guess 50 some years ago, there were players—50, 60 years ago, there were players who did the same as as Babe Ruth. They, they pitched and they hit, and it wasn't so uncommon. And, you know, game has been specialized through—I think it's starting heavily in the 60s and 70s, and then through the 80s and 90s. Uh, whenever the major leagues make changes in the, in the game over there, it, it it just flows across the ocean and and happens in NPB as well and so guys stop doing both so uh, but no one has done it to the to the level of his uh, accomplishment he hasn't we haven't had guys who had you know double digits in home runs and wins uh, some guys would, pitch and they would hit but they weren't they weren't as successful so I, I can safely say no because all the all the comps that come out are all about babe ruth <laughs> right.
2: that's a good that's a good comp <laughs> <laughs> <You think? laughs> so what is his following like right now in japan
5: uh what it would be i mean i can only tell you what the media does and uh, anytime he says something anytime he he, he has uh a good game it, it's leading the the sports news uh mm-hmm. tv shows mm-hmm. and uh, it's all over the front pages of the sports dailies and uh you know huge pictures huge headlines and and all that stuff but and, and of course the other day when he was uh I don't know that he made an official announcement from, you know, himself. Uh, I think we heard from—obviously, he threw. There were 16 teams, scouts from 16 teams, overwatching the game. And then later on, after that game, we just heard—we didn't get an announcement particularly from him, but we just heard that, hey, he made the decision that he wants to go to the States after this year. So the following is heavy. I think he—I mean. Uh, Masahiro Tanaka, who went to the Yankees a couple years back, mm-hmm. uh, was the guy who I think was the darling of Japan when he won—I don't know—28 games in a row or 28 decisions in a row over over a season plus. And he goes to the to the Yankees, and every game was was like a Nomo game it, you can, because Nomo was basically the first guy to really do it and do it on a huge scale with the Dodgers. Uh, All those games were like events. Uh, In the morning, you could get on the train. There's a train station in in Shibuya in downtown Tokyo, and they had a big screen outside, and people were watching those games. And I believe that if Otani is whatever team he goes to, I think the games might be back on that screen in downtown Tokyo again. That's how big it could be. Wow.
2: Well, you gave us heads up on Otani years ago. Are there any other guys we should be made aware of here, either coming over, this year or the next few years?
5: Yeah, I wish I knew the guys who were going to be great, as <laughs> I tell you. <laughs> and and uh, just before we start taping, I told you this, but when Ichido Suzuki went over to the States, everyone said, okay, well, uh, we've got to fly over to Japan and find the next Ichido Suzuki. And we kept telling everyone, there, there, there's no other Ichido Suzuki. You won't see him. He's a generational player. You won't see another guy like that. And, you know, this is back in in uh, 2000, early 2000. And the guy's still playing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But uh, there are some guys with some talent uh, and they're probably going to be scouted and maybe come over in the next year or so. Um, My favorite probably is a guy whose name is going to be difficult for Americans to say. It's um, Tetsuto Yamada. It's T-E-T-S-U-T-O, Tetsuto. And he's an infielder and he can hit with power Uh, He can he's got speed. He's a good second baseman. Uh, If he goes to the right situation I think he can be an impact player in the States. Uh, There are some other guys Uh, You say Kikuchi is a left-handed pitcher who's not that big um, stature wise, but he's getting a lot of looks from the uh, from the uh, scouts uh, from the from major league teams and he might win the Sawamura Award this year, which is the equivalent of the Cy Young Award, and uh, they only hand out one. They have two leagues, but they only hand out one. So he's he's probably the front runner for that. He, like I said, is getting a lot of looks, and he's coming up on his um, international free agency. So it's 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 a good situation for him in that respect. And but nothing nothing you know. When I told you about Shohei Otani uh, a long time ago, I was really excited about about what he could do and what he could be in the States. And there's, there's nobody out there like that. There's just, just another guy kind of players and, and they can probably get a job in the in the major leagues and probably keep it and uh, make a little bit of impact, but nothing, nothing like uh, Ichiro, no no uh, groundbreaking Ichiro players or, uh, Hideo Nomo types or, or we don't know what Shohei Ohtani is going to do when, once he gets there but we anticipate he'll be able to show the major leagues that he can do both hit and pitch and I don't see an impact guy like that at the moment call me call me in a couple of years <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. well we will for sure I mean you're you're our go-to guy in Japan that's for sure John it was so great to catch up it was so great to chat again uh, follow you on Twitter everyone should jbw podcast where can they find your writing as well they should be following that and of course you have the podcast as well
5: well we don't write so much anymore i'm just uh i'm just a podcaster at the moment but uh i work for the japan news and we do do some translations sometimes of some of the japanese stories so keep an eye out for that
2: excellent john it was so great to catch up and uh hopefully we'll chat again soon all right Have, have a good one see you later
1: okay picture this